Hi, my name is Pasha Marlowe, and this is the Let Pleasure Be the Measure podcast. We are going to have so much fun together. I hope that our conversations about pleasure light you up. And I hope they inspire you to reclaim your desires and create more space in your day to bring pleasure into your work, your family life, and yes, even your sex life. We will practice and explore the art of pleasure together. Let's play. Hello, everybody. My name is Pasha Marlowe, and this is the Let Pleasure Be the Measure podcast. And today I bring you a friend and one of my favorite inspirational speakers, Janice Burt. Janice is, yes, um, the author of an upcoming book about people pleasing that I cannot wait to read, such an important topic. And of course, inspirational speaker, Spanish interpreter, voiceover actress, and yoga instructor, multi-talented Janice, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here, mainly because I just love you so much. I think you're amazing. Thank you, Janice. I love you too. And I was so excited that you were able to um, come today and meet because you're one of these people who I always feel safe with, first of all, and that's really important to me coming from a, a trauma background to feel safe. But then you, you have this beautiful ability to be consistently compassionate and empathetic, inclusive and expansive. And like you never waver. Like I just know that's you. And now that I've had a chance to work with you more uh, closely through a coaching program, I that is you. And I'm so I'm so um, inspired by by you as a person and a leader. Aw, thank you. You're making me cry. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. It's uh, it's been a lot of work, I think, to to get to that place because I definitely was. Um, much more judgmental, um, did the whole comparison thing a lot, was critical, but all of that stuff started in me. I was all those things toward myself. I was super self-critical, super judgmental, uh, struggled with insecurity and all of those things. And so through years of putting in work, uh, I've been able to tap in a little bit more to the more compassionate and all of those things that you listed. So thank you for that. You're welcome. And so, yeah, I see you doing that work for yourself. And then because of that, you're able to, to teach it and to express that compassion towards other people. Uh, but, but you did mention that in the past, you were highly critical and judgmental of, of yourself. Did that make it hard to make friends specifically with other women? Oh yeah. I remember actually when I was a teenager, only wanting to hang around guys. I was very much the tomboy. I thought women were super catty, not nice, backstabbing, you know, everything taken so seriously. And, and so hanging out with the guys and being one of the guys was refreshing. I just, I loved it because I felt like they would speak honestly to each other and really just be authentic and not get their feelings all hurt and not, you know, there wasn't all that drama. So yeah, I definitely uh, did not connect to 
women for a very long time. It's actually something I'm still working on is cultivating deep friendships with women. And part of that is trust issues just in general. So as I work on myself and I start trusting and loving myself more, I notice that I can trust and love other women more and actually have more of an authentic relationship instead of a very fake kind of, you know, relationship. Yes. I have that same experience. And actually the older I get, the more I really value my, my female friends. And well, now some of my female friends are outliving my marriages. So I'm, I'm realizing that it's quite important to keep nurturing those relationships because those are the ones that will hopefully stand by no matter what. Uh, so when I talk, when I parent my child, my daughter in particular, she's now in her early twenties, um, who of course loves to spend all of her time with her partner. And I ask her, do you ever talk to your friends or go out with your friends? And I think when you're in a new relationship, it's so exciting. And you just feel like your entire world is that one person. And, you know, heaven forbid something happened to that relationship, then you're stuck in this feeling of aloneness and not belonging. So I I feel like it's super important for people to continue to nurture those, those relationships outside of our primary intimate ones, perhaps. Oh, totally. No, it's huge. And especially coming from, for myself, I was super codependent with my ex-husband. And so he was my everything. And that is a very tricky place to be. It's uh, for many reasons, but, but yeah, of course we understand young love and, you know, really wanting to spend all the time with that person, but having your mom there to say, Hey, maybe hang out with your girlfriends, you know, is, is a good thing too. Yeah. Yeah. A good, a good reminder. Um, and so you're, you've been married and, and now you're, um, with a partner and do you find that it's like, how is the dynamic different now that you've been able to find that self-love and self-worth in yourself? How's it different in your relationship? Oh my gosh. It's night and day. It's Mm -hmm. just, night and day different because in my marriage, I was so bound by fear and codependency and people pleasing and all of the things that I truly was not me. And I wasn't authentic. And I was putting all on all these masks for my ex-husband, for the church, for different people. What am I, who do they want me to be? And that's how I'm going to show up. And um, for people pleasers, at least for me, it felt very much, you know, like, oh, I'm so kind, I'm a good person. And I didn't see, I was blind to the fact that I unintentionally was really manipulating people and mm-hmm. deceiving people um, because of my lack of self-worth and because of the lack of love that I had for myself, I was seeking it all around and doing things and being things that weren't genuinely me to get approval. Yes. Yes. And in, in the world of trauma, we talk about, um, you know, the four apps, it's like uh, fight, flee, fawn, freeze. Have you ever, have you heard about fawn and fawning? No. People pleasing or adjusting yourself, your personality, your actions to appeal to 
a person who it could be your abuser or the narcissist or who's the threat. Um, and it could be somebody you're married to. And, and then you keep trying to appeal to them to stay safe. Um, and it's a trauma response, the people pleasing. And so it's an interesting dynamic, but yeah, called fawning. And, um, and I noticed myself, I do that around my father because I have fear of him yelling or acting out towards me, even at 50, like he did when I was a child, when he comes for a visit, I get very small and quiet. I don't express my political or social views. I don't eat sugar around him. Like I don't do the things that I know will set him off. So I'm not true to myself and I'm, and I'm doing it to be safe when I think about it um, because I see him as a threat. Um, but I can see how that dynamic would happen in a marriage too. If the marriage is with somebody who is threatening or abusive or narcissist or gaslighting and all the things. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I'm going to have to research that because I definitely have heard of the fight or flight and then <clears throat> the freezing that makes sense. But yeah, I had not even heard of that. So that's fascinating. Yeah. It's um, who is it? Pete Walker's is the author of this PTSD book um, where I heard that, but yeah, is it, it's that whole idea of just people pleasing being, being a trauma response. Um, and then why? And then why is that? Um, but I find myself doing it all the time. As much as I coach women to not people please, I watch myself being super apologetic or, um, you know, really going way out of my way, like sacrificing my own well-being so I can make somebody else feel comfortable avoiding conflict. So it's like a, it, it feels like a constant work and, and battle. I think it is. I think it's a journey and a process and the awareness of it, that to me is key mm -hmm. because, you know, you even be able, being able to see that and articulate that it's like, you're half the way through the journey, you know, to be able to, cause for, like I said, so many years, it was an unconscious behavior for yeah, me. Yeah. And I wasn't aware. I didn't even see it. I didn't even know. And the same thing with fear is I didn't realize how much fear was controlling my life. It wasn't on my radar at all until after my divorce. And I actually went to a hypnotherapy session. And that's when I, I saw the fear <clears throat> and I realized, oh my gosh, I am full of fear. I had that realization and from that moment on, I was able to work through those fears because I knew they existed. But before then, I was just kind of living, you know, you're, you're operating the best you can. Right, right. You get used to your nervous system being fried. You get used to being uh, hypervigilant or all the things. Yeah, yeah. So to, I'm glad that you reached out for help. And that's really cool that a hyp, uh, hypnotherapist was the catalyst, it sounds like, um, in that moment. That's it was. Right. Yeah. And I've done all the types of therapy. I, <laughs> you know, after my divorce, I was at that rock bottom state that I know when a lot of people get in and it's just the feeling like you can't get out of bed and just, just horrible. But then also knowing I have two kids, I have to continue on with life. Like, how do I do this? I, I have to figure this out. And so I, yeah, I've done EMDR and uh, neurofeedback and hypnotherapy and talk therapy, cognitive yoga. Yoga was hugely 
helpful during that. Well, still now, but especially initially um, to really finding myself and connecting to myself at a deeper level Mm -hmm. um, was that whole mind, body, spirit integration that Mm -hmm. shows up a lot in yoga because of the breathing and the centering and then the movement. So that was healing for me also. Yeah. And so, and now you teach yoga and, and do the inspirational speaking and you empower women. And so I'm wondering how, like, how is your work now your pleasure because you've done all this inner work? Oh my gosh. I have so much fun. Like I I still can't believe I get paid to do half of the things that I get paid to do because they feel so natural and fun and pleasurable and fulfilling, like just deep fulfillment and happiness and peace and all the things that for years were missing from my life. And so I love all the jobs. And when somebody's like, well, what what exactly or what specifically? It's hard for me to even choose something because they're all so fun and pleasurable and amazing. But the thing with inspirational speaking is I just, I feel deep down that that is um, a purpose of mine mm-hmm. on in this world. And part of the reason is because I keep coming back to it, even though I fail miserably at it a lot of times. Um, It's been this lifetime of speaking because I feel kind of called to or just that natural drawn toward doing that. And then like in high school, I competed in speech competitions and loved doing that in some dramatic interpretations. And that was really fun. And I was feeling a lot of self-worth and value in that. And then in one of the competitions, I forgot my lines. It was that probably that freezing thing because I was so nervous that it was the finals and everybody was there. So I, my mind just went blank and that event alone instilled this fear in me that I pretty much vowed not to speak publicly again. Mm. And I didn't for about 20 years, I would not speak in front of people. I was terrified. And then when, after my divorce and after I realized how much fear was controlling my life, public speaking was the first thing I was like, I need to face that head on. I need to walk through that fear because it's in my soul. It's a, it's something I have to do. And sure. You know, I joined Toastmasters because that's like the first place you go to, to do that. And my, I think it was my second speech, I started shaking involuntarily so badly that, uh, you know, it was like, I can't even describe it. You know, when somebody's really, really cold and it's just like this, almost like a seizure. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Like a quiver. And I couldn't stop. And it was like, all, oh, and I had to grab onto the podium and I'm shaking and everybody's looking at me like mouths wide open. Like what is wrong with this woman? And it was in that moment, like, I wanted the earth to swallow me alive in that moment. I was so just like, wow, why is this happening to me? But, and I looked over at the chair and I knew that was safety. 
if I just sat down, I could stop looking like a fool. <laughs> I would stop shaking. I would be in a safe zone. And I also knew that that was fear controlling me again. And so I literally just stood there and I shook and I just let it run through me. And while everybody's like saying encouraging things like you got this, we're here for you. It was like the coolest moment because as I'm there in like this weak and vulnerable state uh, and allowing myself to just be in that state, people were so understanding, so compassionate. It unified us all. Uh, and, and then eventually, you know, a minute later, the shaking stopped and I just kept speaking and I finished my speech mm -hmm. and I think it was sympathy, but they ended up voting me best speaker for the day. <laughs> but it's, it's stuff like that, that, you know, I just keep going back to it. <laughs> Well, and I'll challenge you. I don't think it was sympathy. I mean, you were not only memorable, but it was so real and relatable. And I think we hear messages better when that when that's the case. That's why I lead with laughter because it's messy, but it's relatable. So if I was just speaking about whatever leadership or speaking about, um, you know, diction, it would be so boring. But if it's done in a sense of, uh, vulnerability or or comedy then it's all of a sudden um so human so i i i have no doubt that that you did a phenomenal job of um speaking your mind and your heart you're always so wholehearted in your speaking and and your emotion is on the surface so often like whenever i've talked to you um you're you're so gifted at holding somebody in the moment and allowing them to safely express their sadness and their joy and it's okay to laugh and it's okay to cry, um, which is such a gift because I think most people are so guarded that they don't, it's too scary to, to be that vulnerable. Um, well, so I think it's really brave. Yeah, and that comes from years of repressing that in myself, mm -hmm. repressing my emotions, uh, not showing up as fully who I am mm -hmm. that now as I've entered this place mm -hmm. where I want to be authentically who I am, whether that means crying, like right now, you know, before, whenever I would get emotional, I'd apologize. Right. I'd, you know, start, Oh my gosh. And in my head going, Janice, why does this happen to you? Hold it together, woman, you know? <laughs> and now I'm like, no, I just want to be in the moment and I want to show up with what is in me now, not yes. where, you know, maybe I want to be and not in the past. It's like, I want to be here with you now connecting and, and just sharing from my heart. And that's, that's my main focus is being authentically who I am and not trying to cover anything up uh, and, and repress things. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I feel that from you. And I, I think I lead in the same way. And it's interesting. And I wonder how this is for you kind of circling back to friendships. I just live like this all the time. And so if somebody I meet on the street, you know, I go to a coffee shop or something, and I'm just talking with them, it's really hard for me to have small talk. 
Like I cannot very well talk about the weather or sports. It's I'm go straight to the emotional side of things really quick. And I go deep and then I, you know, pretty much feel like I'm best friends with this person by the end of my coffee date. And then I'm calling them. And, and then within a, you know, a few months, I'm like, I just love you so much. And it's hard to, it's hard to shut it down once you've opened up to it. Right. Yes. Which I think is amazing. And that's what I love about you so much is you are so open and joyous and uh, expressive and just lovely to everyone you meet. And I think that is a huge benefit to living authentically and being yourself and showing up and people instantly just know that. And I'm the exact same way. It's hard for me to talk about light things. I mean, I can, and I will, but I like to go to the heart of the matter. Who are you? Like, who are you? (laughs) Hi, how are you? My name is Pasha. What scares you most? (laughs) Totally. Yes. What's the like last thing on earth you want to talk to me about? And let's go there. Let's talk about that thing. (laughs) You're probably really fun at a big party like me. If if the, the room gets more crowded or if it's a bigger group, I do not thrive. I will so easily like fade into the background and be the shy, quiet one. It's only in small group or one-on-one where, where that safe and empathetic space is there. Um, I don't know. It's just a fascinating dynamic that, that in large groups, I'm super shy, even on large coaching groups where we're supposed to be expressing our emotions. Um, too many people, maybe, I don't know. I don't know. I'm better. I'm better in small groups. What, what about you? I think we're very similar because I, yeah, I'm the same exact way. I, I, I like one-on-one conversations. I like small groups, you know, like your uh, program that we just did uh, with, it's just nice. It feels that everybody can kind of share and we can go around. And so, yeah, I, I prefer that too. Yeah. Now you brought it up. I didn't, but Janice did just do my program roar with laughter. And she did a very funny routine, a comedy routine about people pleasing where she gave herself gold, silver, and bronze awards for for her people pleasing efforts. And it was really funny, but it was also so touching and from such a raw, truthful place for you and, and pain points from the past that you brought up and, and you, translated that through through comedy really well and it was super brave because you're just doing all the scary things you're standing on stage even though you shake you're doing comedy even though you feel like you're not funny though you are (laughs) I think it's I'm telling you when I realized that I was living in fear I made a conscious decision to walk through all my fears and almost you know the the bigger, the better in the sense that if I know something's holding me back, I want to, I want to face that thing. And so one of the ones I'm really proud of that besides the comedy one, because that was actually really uh, tough for me, you know, having this limited belief that I'm not funny or don't have the comedic timing or whatever. Uh, and that stuff, some people just aren't naturally funny, but also you can learn how to be funny and comedy tricks and stuff like that. But another one is I've always had very uh, bad body image issues and the comparison thing to other women and not feeling good enough physically was a really big deal in my life. Mm-hmm. 
from being a tomboy, by the way, that came from repressing what I truly wanted, which was to be feminine and to be beautiful and to be seen. But I repressed that when I was younger because I was scared of sexuality. I was scared of that whole deal. I didn't know what to do with it. And so I covered it up and I acted like, no, I'm this tomboy and I love wearing baggy clothes and I love, you know, not being the, the woman that men are attracted to, but I would watch my friends get all the attention and feel jealous mm-hmm. and feel envious of that. So that started really young in my life. And then I just carried it through adulthood with just these comparisons and body image issues. So I think it was two or three years ago, I was 42 years old. I was like, this thing is still has a hold on me and I want to walk through it. So what's the thing I could do to really walk through that fear and a bodybuilding competition came to mind. So I signed up for one and cause I'm thinking what is more terrifying than First of all, you're being labeled based solely on your physical appearance, which is what I had always feared and, you know, hated that concept. You're being judged. You're being looked at like all the things compared. And so I went through this process of the bodybuilding thing. And I'm telling you, it was such an amazing experience to walk on the stage in a bikini surrounded by beautiful women in their bikinis and realize we are all souls Mm -hmm. in these bodies Mm -hmm. and there's something deeper here. It's, you know, it's not just the physical things. I mean, yeah, some people are prettier and some people, you know, they have this and that and the other, but it just dawned on me as I got to know these women that it's like, I don't need to compare myself. We are all these unique and beautiful souls. Mm -hmm. And that was my realization standing up there in my bikini, you know, (laughs) which I'm kind of a one and done kind of deal. Everybody's (laughs) like, Oh, are you going to keep doing it? Are you going to do another marathon or do another this or that? And I'm like, Nope, we do it once and we're good. I am so with you there. I know because I was wondering, did you continue to bodybuild? Because you, I, you have to be so clean in your eating and vigilant with your exercising and all that and hyper aware of your body. And that would get exhausting. And I used to do competitive triathlons and people are like, don't you miss it? I'm like, no, no, because it's all consuming. And I'm so glad I did it. It's in my past. That was really fun and powerful. And now I'm doing other fun and powerful and scary things. But I love that you have that in you too, where you're just like, did that, what's next? Did that, what's next? Because that's how we keep growing and learning and evolving. And, And we might look, literally and figuratively completely different than the, than the previous self who did something different, but how cool that we can recreate ourselves to that extent. And really oh my gosh. Out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we each have this one life yes. and it goes by quickly and some are given more time here than others. And, uh, I just want my time to be full, to be fulfilling, to be, loving and adventurous and vibrant and, and, and it's going to be hard. It's, it's all the things cause it's life. Uh, but I want to show up, like we got to pick ourselves for the team and we have to show up and 
and stand up to bat and play. Like we got to play the game and not sit on the sidelines. And I know fear will place us on the sidelines a lot in our lives. And we play small and we don't tap into the amazing power and love that we have within us. So my goal is to do that in my own life and then hopefully inspire other people along their journeys, just to know that they're valuable, that they're loved, that they're enough because we get so stuck in feeling like we're not enough. And, and that also limits us these limiting beliefs that, that are talked about. Uh, But if we could actually get in there and replace those limiting beliefs with the knowledge of how amazing we are, everything would change. Everything would change. Yes. And it's the fears alternate. I am not enough. And then you do these things. You're like, I'm too much. I'm not enough. I'm too much. And so it's so fascinating to watch ourselves and witness ourselves trying on all these different um, hats and seeing what sticks and and noticing uh, what feels aligned and true um, and, and can continue to empower. And so what is next for you? Like I'm thinking of all the things you've already done. I'm thinking like, you know, within the next five years, what is your, what are your next frontiers and adventures and risks that you're considering? Ooh, good question. Um, so I am finishing, excuse me, this people pleasing book, which I'm really excited about. Uh, so I'm going to do that. And then I've also always had in my head, this idea of creating a one woman type show where I can bring in all the elements that I love, like dramatic, you know, interpretation, acting, humor, poetry, inspiration, uh, maybe even a little bit of singing, even though my singing voice is not the best, but just to mix it up and yes, and do something that feels really good and empowering to me. And that something that I can be proud of and put out there to inspire others, but also just, I think there's something to be said for doing these things for ourselves and for, for that feeling of accomplishment. And then the more we do things, the more that builds into this self-confidence and, um, and value and respect and appreciation for ourselves. And from that place, I truly believe then our cup will overflow and we're not trying to give from a place of lack Mm -hmm. and, you know, oh, I'm giving so that I can get, it's Mm -hmm. not like that. It's just a a constant Mm -hmm. outpouring of love and of all the beautiful things because you just can't keep those things to yourself. It's going to pour out onto everybody else. It's the, the way, the way that I want to live my life. So hopefully it'll encompass all of those, those things. Yes. To the book and the one woman show. And I, I see this like um, philanthropist in you, like as soon as your cup is just running over, I, I just imagine you giving so much as you already do. Um, but having that opportunity to feel so abundant and, um, Oh my gosh. Yes. I heard the best keynote 
speaker, Jeff Hoffman, he was the founder of Priceline. He's a big philanthropist now. And it he changed my idea also about money and having money because I was raised very much like, oh, you just have just enough to get by, <laughs> you know, like you're really scraping the bottom of the barrel and just trying to survive one day to the next. So to me, this concept of having money so that you can then distribute it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I think our society needs or more people like Jeff Hoffman, who, you know, founded Priceline is like this entrepreneurial wizard of a man and takes his money Uh, He tells the story of going to, it was a women's shelter that was going to have to be closed down because of lack of funding. And he heard about it on the news and he's sitting there in his mansion, you know, loads of money, whatever. And he's looking at this going, oh, people need to do something. When are people going to do something about this? Who They need to do something. And then he's like, wait a minute, why am I not doing something? So he went and gave them a ton, a ton of money to reopen and get a playground and do all these things with his own money. And since then, he's been doing it nonstop. So I think, I mean, yes, that's what we need to get money in the hands of people with big hearts that love people and um, want to share, (laughs) you know, and distribute some of of their money, their own money, you know, and not being told that they have to, right. but from a genuine place that they want to. And that's such a beautiful reason why healers and light workers and those who come from a place of, you know, emotional intelligence that, that we can and should ask for the money we're worth so that we can give it away. Cause you just said like, you can't believe that you get paid to do the things you do. I can't believe I get to hold space for women as they heal with humor. Like I would do this for free, but I, but I can't, Oh, you know, because if I want to then give my money away and help other people. So it's an interesting dynamic for those of us who struggle with limiting beliefs about money and also feel like it's just, we're just being good people. We're just being who we are. So why why should we get paid to do it? And then we hear about a man like this and we think about, can you imagine saving a women's shelter? Or can you imagine, I just can't imagine being able to be so philanthropic that it would make lasting change in another person's life. And then all of a sudden I'm like, all right, I should get paid to speak or whatever I do. Totally, yes. Right. right. Yes, and it's so fulfilling to be able mm-hmm. to, to, to give and contribute and use mm-hmm. our gifts for the betterment of society. It's this, it's, I mean, we talk about pleasure, it's pleasure, but deeper. It's, yes. you know, it's that fulfillment, it's lasting. Yeah. It's just, it's amazing. It's beautiful. So, so yes, to those people that have big hearts, yes, earn that money and don't, you know, don't feel like you're not deserving of it or it's too much or too, you know, or you're giving away your services for free. Um, We're the people that need to have more money to, to then distribute and, uh, and for us and for the world, make, make it all better. That makes so much sense to a heart centered person who has trouble selling. That's beautiful. So if people want to throw money at you, um, how can they reach you? 
Yay. Well, I actually just revamped my website. So my previous website was SpanishJanice.com. Okay. But that was a little confusing for branding because I do inspirational speaking and I I can do it in Spanish, but mainly for now I'm doing it in English. So now I'm at JaniceBurt.com and you can reach me there. And um, there's some giveaways that I have on there and ways for you to connect with me. So yeah, I'd love to, to connect. Beautiful, beautiful. I love following you personally and professionally. I can't wait for the opportunity someday to meet you in person and hug on you. Um, you're such a sweetheart and I, and I just adore you and I love your work and I love your mission. Oh, I feel exactly the same about you. And it's going to be a really good reason to take a little trip to the East coast and do a little <laughs> tour. And then I can stop by and see you. Yes, you should do a speaking tour, an inspirational speaking tour on the entire East Coast. <laughs> oh my, okay, don't get me, my thoughts okay. now are, <laughs> and, then my a, spinning. and then a one woman show out in California and I'll fly out in winter, where it's winter here, I'll fly out there and I'll see your one woman show and, and I might even be brave to, to write and perform in one too, so yeah. <laughs> oh my God, I have some ideas cooking, uh, I love it. Collaboration is also where it's at. So yes. So good. It's, yeah. Yes. And yeah, that comes full circle because especially from a place where we didn't trust ourselves or other women to collaborate with. And so to come to a place where we are so in this space of self-worth and self-love and loving others and wanting to serve others, that collaboration is more exciting than our own rise to whatever fame we used to want to seek, whatever it was. Uh, yeah, that, that lights me up. So yes to collaborating with Janice Burke. Yay. I'm going to hold you to that. <laughs> and if anyone would like to continue the conversation with me, please reach out to me. My website is PashaMarlow.com. And you can also reach me by email, Pasha at PashaMarlow.com. If you like this podcast, please review, subscribe, share, all the things that really helps us get the word out on these important topics. Thank you so much, Janice, for coming today. Thank you. And I love you guys. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.